You're listening to the Trinity Ministries podcast. For more information and to support our ministry, go to www.trinityhudson.org. If you uh, grew up in church and um, uh, had the experience of coming through into the, the Holy Week, which is what we're starting pretty much today, and you heard that word, Hosanna, what day would you think it would be? Palm Sunday, right, excellent, good, you passed, because that, that word, Hosanna, we don't really use it throughout the church here, other than maybe in a song here or there, but usually that word, Hosanna, which, which simply means save now or save us now, that word, Hosanna, is, is really a word that is specific to today, at least in our, in our church cycle, and we'll talk a little bit more in depth about that word. Um, there's another word we kind of use outside of church uh, that is a churchy kind of word, but it usually happens when something comes through excellent for you. You say it starts with an H. Oh, yes, you guys are so evangelical. I love it. <clears throat> yeah, hallelujah. Uh, that's another one that, uh, that, that, we, that we use consistently. Um, and, and words are funny things, aren't they? They're really funny things. They, the, the whole purpose of our words, of our language, is to communicate something or, or to, to make a connection between something using our words. They help us communicate. They help us express what we're thinking or what we're, we're feeling. And believe it or not, words change and morph over time. Maybe not necessarily in how you spell them, although that's part of it too, uh, but in, in their meaning. Um, and uh, in, in, in what they mean for us today means, meant something differently a hundred years ago. The term politically correct, how many of you have heard that phrase before? How many just love that phrase? No. Politically correct was actually uh, a Russian phrase back in the 1900s that described a small group of people uh, dictating to the larger masses what they can and cannot say. That's the, that's the basis of, or the, the genesis of, the term politically correct. Even the word that we use even today, goodbye, originally was God be with ye. That's what that word means. So every time you say goodbye to somebody, whether you're a Christian or not, you're wishing them Godspeed uh, as, as they go. Um, so words can be also humorous, uh, telling jokes. My dad's favorite type of joke were puns. Uh, and, and just little jokes like this one, uh, a small boy swallowed some coins and was taken to the hospital. When his dad called to ask how he was, a nurse said, no change yet. <laughs> Thanks, I'll be here all week. No. <clears throat> Literally, I'll be here all week. It's, yeah. Um, and then Kristen Miller, who was opened us up, she has a joke that she tells all the time, and it's, it's like her favorite joke. And uh, if she wasn't Extreme Kids, I'd have her do it, but it, it goes like this. What's a pirate's favorite letter? You think it's the R. It's really the C. <laughs> yep, that's it. Sometimes your words, they, you know, they're funny and everything. Sometimes you're not thinking when you're talking. How many of you have this problem? How many of you have a spouse that has this problem? 
you just start think, just start talking. I have this problem every week when I'm up here. I just start talking. Um, I remember when I was in my very first church after going through the seminary, uh, I was at Woodbury Lutheran across the river, and I was teaching my very, very first Bible class that I've ever taught outside of being in the seminary. And I was just so nervous, and I just didn't, I was like, oh, and we were going to do a Bible study on the book of James. And so uh, I started the Bible study, and there was, it, was, it was a young couple's Bible study, so there's like, there's a lot of people, there's like 30, 40 people in the room, and after a whole bunch of little fluffy stuff, I said, well, let's get into the Bible study. Let me give you a little introduction to who James is. James is the older brother of Jesus, and, and I went on. Now, think about that. James is the older brother of Jesus. Jesus was born of a virgin, and so here I am, four years of high master's divinity type stuff, and blew it, just because I was so nervous and I wasn't thinking. Just so you know, James is the oldest of the brothers of Jesus. I forgot the little of, see? Um, yeah, you, again, usually when you're, you're messing up with your words, you, you, oftentimes you're not thinking. Um, you're thinking about something else, about the, the breakfast that's, that's held for us today uh, at our East Campus that, that, that benefits our youth ministry. They're going to the National Youth Gathering. You know, maybe you're thinking about that. You know, maybe here in church you're, we're singing songs, and this, this happens so many times. Um, we're singing songs, and we kind of get through the song, and, and we don't really think about what we're saying. We're not really thinking about the words that we say, and, and rightfully so. Some of us have little kids, we're kind of juggling and, and, and all that, and, and other things are distracting us. But oftentimes, we just forget about the importance of the words that we use. Now, believe it or not, this was kind of the same situation that uh, the people back on Palm Sunday had as Jesus was coming into, uh, into Jerusalem And uh, so we're going to take a look at that story, kind of piece it out a little bit. And there's so much in the story that I can't get to because of of our time. But it it is such a deep theological situation and and powerful historically what what was happening on this day. Um, So we're going to take a look at Mark 11. Again, if you have your Bible app uh, from our church or uh, just a regular Bible, Mark 11 are the verses we're going to have. Um, also, I have that on the insert that was in the bulletin, um, and I, I have a couple of fill-in-the-blanks, uh, too, just to kind of keep you awake as we talk. Uh, so here's the, here's, uh, so Mark 11 is where we're going to be. Um, and again, the situation was, this was a couple of days before Jesus was going to be arrested illegally, beat up. Crucif- condemned, crucified on a cross like a criminal, but then raised again on the third day. The, be- the, the amazing thing to me is that Jesus knew all of this was going to happen, and he didn't try and hide away. If you knew your life was in danger, wouldn't you just try and run away or change the situation? Jesus didn't, and especially today, he forced the issue of him being handed over to the chief priests. And you have to know one other thing before we dive into the story. Um, these are actual events, okay? This, this isn't just something from our little kid's book. It's, it's not just something you learn as a little kid. These are actual historical events that are documented not only in the Bible, but other writings around the Bible at just that same time or a little bit later on. Um, and, and you can go to the places, you can see exactly what had happened. So these are real events. 
And it's not fiction. It's not just a, a funny story or a cute little story so could wave palm branches. This has impact for your life. Good Friday, Easter has impact for your life. And if you want to know what that impact is, you're going to have to come to Good Friday and Easter. So, okay. So let me give you a setup here as to what, what it looks like. So, um, and you, uh, for those of you who are new, this is kind of my little thing. I like to put images of the places in your mind as to where this is all happening. Because again, this is real stuff. This is real story. So here's kind of the, the picture. Uh, Jerusalem there, there's debates as to whether that was a temple or not. We'll just say it was. Um, but this green route is kind of the route that Jesus actually took as he was coming into Jerusalem. So you have that in your mind. Um, now let's go to Mark 11 as we take a look at the actual story. So Mark 11 says this. As they approached Jerusalem, uh, they meaning Jesus and a bunch of people that were following him, um, they came to Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you're going to find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Tell him, the Lord needs it. And we'll, and we'll send it back here shortly. Now, there's not, this, this is kind of as it is. Uh, a lot of commentary, a lot of people are trying to dive deeply. Did he, like, do a Star Wars mind morph on these people, you know, so we could get the cold? Most likely, he knew the people in the, in the town, or they knew his name, so it really wasn't a big deal. Don't get, don't get too hung up on this whole thing. Um, so the disciples went... And they found a colt outside in the street tied to a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They, asked as Jesus, they answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus, they threw cloaks over it. So their, their outer clothing, they threw cloaks over it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. So that's the picture. Now, now that's kind of the setup. That's the staging for the parade. Um, there, there's palm branches that people have, and those back then represented, they're like our American flags. They represented freedom. They, they represented victory. Um, that's what palm branches meant back then. The interesting thing is that Jesus is riding in on a donkey or a, a colt. Now, why that? It's the, the theology and the message that he is sending is very, very powerful. Um, because wouldn't you rather have Jesus, you know, the Son of God coming in like this big, like a president with big motorcade, you know, or, or a Super Bowl parade with ticker tapes, you know, and he's in the car waving, you know, in this big fanfare. No, he grabs a colt. So why a colt? Well, back then... Uh, Roman commanders, when they went to war, when, Roman generals, when they went to war, as they led their, their troops out to battle, they would be on a horse, and they would be leading their, their troops out to battle. If they conquered, if they were victorious, they would come back on a colt. Basically, the imagery is, I am riding out on this horse, this massive beast, and I have come back now and have subdued it and turned it into a, a little beast of burden. That's why they, he had a colt. So picture that when the Romans and, and the, uh, the townspeople are watching Jesus come into Jerusalem, as you'll see, coming into Jerusalem, not on a horse or even just walking, but on a colt. They knew immediately the message he was sending. They were sending he was sending a message, I have conquered, 
I am king. And that's the message they were taking, that, that he was the king, which did not make the Roman government all that happy. So basically, um, if you go there today, this is one of the routes that they feel uh, was what Jesus would have been going on. It's, it's pretty steep. They're, what this group is doing, they're coming down one of the, the things. Mount of Olives uh, is on, on the one side. Um, right in front of us here in this picture is the Kidron Valley. It, it's pretty, it's steep. You can see how it slants down. Um, the gold dome was not there back in, in Jesus' day. Um, neither were these walls. Uh, but you get the idea. This is kind of what he was looking at. So as he's coming, there are people coming back up to meet him and then also around him. So again, none of these walls were here. There was just sort of this open field feeling down these, these roads. So we continue with the story that says this. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, and let's say this together, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. There's so much, again, that's, coming, that's, that's happening here, even in this statement. Because like we said at the beginning, Hosanna means save now. And if you're a note taker, first one, blank line, there you go. Um, Hosanna means save us now, Lord save us, something of that sort. And what's interesting about this is this isn't the first time this group had done this or Jerusalem had shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 150 years earlier, Jacob Maccabeus, a little history for you, um, also came into the city to conquer a Syrian king who had basically wiped the Jewish faith from, Jewish faith from Jerusalem. So uh, the Maccabees came in, he came in as a king, and they shouted the same thing. Now, it was 150 years, obviously, you know, the same people weren't around back then, but those stories in that culture traveled one after another. And so when, when he's coming in, the people were waving palm branches and thinking of all kinds of things. This is this Jesus. This, this is a, another conquering king. Look, he's on a donkey. We have palm branches. Everything's set up for him to overthrow these, this Roman government um, and, and, and come in and just take over and set up a new kingdom, just like Jacob or Judas Maccabeus. That's what they wanted. They wanted a king. Not the spiritual um, change. They wanted the political and physical change that, that, that uh, Jesus could represent. Which kind of brings us to us. And I wanted, I wanted us to process just for a little bit three questions that Palm Sunday actually brings to you and to me. Three questions what, that... that uh, that as we see and we picture Jesus coming into Jerusalem with the crowd following, and he's proclaiming, I am your king. I have come to take away the sin of the world. So the three questions are this. First one is this. Do I know who this Jesus is? Obviously, it, it's a personal thing. You have to ask it for yourself. Do I really know who Jesus, who this Jesus is? And, it, and it, it doesn't really depend on your church going or not, but I think sometimes we just, again, like I said, we attend church or, or whatever we do, and we don't really stop and, and think, Jesus is the, the, the king. He's the, he is the one who died for my sin so that I can be in heaven. 
so that I can live an awesome life here or an abundant life here, John 10, 10, so that I can be in a relationship with the God of the universe. And while I may mess up and while I may goof up and while I may continue to sin until, until I die, I know that I'm still loved and I'm forgiven. Do you know who this Jesus is? I think back then a lot of people that joined in this procession really didn't know who he was. I mean, it's kind of like when if there's, a, um, if there's a protest, positively or negatively in our culture, there's a whole bunch of people that just kind of come out to see the crowds, right? In fact, you, sometimes you see interviews with people, why are you here? Why are you protesting this? And, go, and they're like, I just came for the free coffee at, over here, you know, but you're holding a I hate war sign or, you know, it's like whatever, whatever it is, you know. I think a lot of people are like that. It's just the same kind of thing. I, these people didn't understand that Jesus was God. The disciples themselves didn't get a clear picture of that until after the resurrection. I mean, part of this group joined the, uh, joined the, the religious leaders just a couple of, a couple of, a day, well, a couple of days later, instead of shouting Hosanna, shouted, crucify him. Because, remember, he's supposed to come in as this king and conquer and now Jesus on Good Friday is in the hands of the Romans, but the chief priests, and most likely will be killed. So these people were mad and disappointed and disillusioned. Who are you singing to? Who is this Jesus that we talk about at church and other places? Is he your savior? Is he the one whom you know gave everything, gave his life to die for you? What do you say about him? Which gets to the next question. Do my words match my life? I would venture to say that there are many of us here um, in our church gathering that are, have no idea what we're singing, like I said, but we talk a good game on Sunday. And then we have lunch with our family. And the words that come out of our mouth are maybe less than, um, less, doesn't point to who you are as a Christ follower. Do your words match your life? Do your words match your life? Isaiah 29 says, these people, these people make a big show of saying the right things, but their hearts aren't in it because they act like they're worshiping me, but they don't mean it. Do you mean what you say? Are your words reflective of a, love, of a heart that's just been changed by the grace of Jesus? Ralph Waldo Emerson said, "'Tis curious that we only believe as deeply as we live." Isn't that true? I believe that tithing is right. How much do you give? Half a percent. I believe that serving in church is a great thing. I believe that connecting, growing, and, and, and being involved and engaged in a ministry is really, really important. Are you engaged? No. Do you really believe it then? Do your words match your life? And there's a bigger picture here that is a heart for me, is the biggest criticism that churches have nowadays maybe the second, but the big, one of the biggest ones is that they're just a bunch of hypocrites. 
that we as Christ followers, we who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, are a bunch of hypocrites. And hypocrites basically means an actor, right? One who is not really what they portray. I'm glad that our church isn't full of hypocrites. I can honestly say that at Trinity. Both of our campuses, we have a, we're an awesome group of people. There are a couple that might need to hear this message again. But we, I, I believe, and I, I know you pretty well, but I'm talking about other churches now. No, I'm not. Um, but we, 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 at least we strive not to be that way. We strive to see God in all things. We strive to be Christ-like and follow him in all things. Um, kind of like uh, John Newton did. John Newton was the man who wrote the song Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved, saved a Wretch Like Me. Um, he was not a Christian. Um, he wa- found himself uh, in the sailing industry and was a, sla- was a slave trader, basically. His ship was filled, one of those ships that would go back and forth, filled with slaves back and forth. One time he was in a massive storm and he thought he was going to die. And he had heard about this God that is, uh, the, you know, God of the waves, they used to call him. Um, but this God who is always with him and always loved him no matter what. And in this heat of this massive storm, he calls out, God, save me. Basically, Hosanna, Lord, save me. And he barely escaped from that storm alive. And it shook him to his core. I mean, really, really shook him to his core. He learned that day that Jesus really did exist. And he really is the son of God. He learned Jesus came to the world to, re- to live as a real person, sacrifice himself for the sins of John. And he discovered that amazing grace. Eventually, John Newton left the slave trading business and became a pastor for 43 years and, it, and wrote Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me, one of the most famous Christian and actually non-Christian, people in the, in the world know this hymn. Um, but one of his, right before he died, John said this. He said, my memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things. I remember that I am a great sinner, but that Christ is a great Savior. His last words. Which leads us to ask the third question from his song, Do I really believe that God could save a wretch like me? Do I really believe that? Do I really believe that all the things that that have culminated in my life that that have, have been right, but also those things that have just wrong, that I am such a sinner in many different ways, do I really, really believe that when I shout, Hosanna, Lord, save us, Lord, save me, that God can? Well, if the answer is for you right now is no or I'm not sure, the truth is he can. And bigger, he did because he sent Jesus to die for you. First John says, surely you know that Christ showed up in order to get rid of sin. How far has the Lord taken our sins from us? As far as the east is from the west. And so Palm Sunday is that day where we ask that question, who are you to me, Jesus? Who, I, I know who you are, or, or do I know who you are? But Lord, Lord, I want to acknowledge that you are the Savior of the world. You saved me. 
And as we celebrate Palm Sunday and him coming into Jerusalem, we celebrate the fact that we'll see that scene, in a sense, once again when he comes back at the end of time. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to pray. Father, we thank you and praise you that um, on this day, Palm Sunday, that we celebrate Jesus coming into Jerusalem, that we are gathered here as a crowd with our palm branches, praising you for who you are. Father, for those of us who are still struggling with this, this concept of you being able to forgive us or forgive me, Lord, impress upon them, God, that all they, by faith, all they need to do is just surrender, and God forgives. God forgives. That's what grace is about. Lord Jesus, we praise you and thank you for being the God of our life, the God who went into this week uh, into a, an amazing time of suffering, um, joy, uh, emptiness, loneliness, and ultimately celebration as we celebrate in Easter. We thank you, Jesus, for being our Savior. It's in Jesus' name that we pray all of this. Amen.